Rewind with Oisín Langan. Welcome along. Hope your bank holiday weekend went well and that your excitement level is growing ahead of Euro 2016. It all gets underway for Ireland next Monday when we take on Sweden. More on that a little bit later on. We'll also talk about the SSE Electricity League. Cork City narrowing the gap to Dundalk to just one point. And now we've got the midterm break. At first though, it's hurling. Michael Verney, the uh, GA writer with the Irish Independent and former Offaly player will join us shortly to break down Clare against Waterford and also to look ahead to Kilkenny against Dublin next Saturday night. That's the weekend's big, big game. Also football on Sunday, but the standout fixture, I think you'd have to say, is Kilkenny against Dublin. Anyway, we'll get to him in just a second. But first, James O'Connor, former All-Ireland winner with Clare, was at the game for Off the Ball last uh, Sunday. He watched Waterford beating the banner 121-17 to points at Semple Stadium. This, just some of what he had to say. The Watford halfback line were, were just a wall, I suppose, on which players' hopes perished. And, you know, a lot more Watford players played played well than their Clare counterparts. And, as I said, Clare can have no complaints. Michael Verney, GA writer with the Irish Independent and former Offaly Hurler. Welcome to the Rewind podcast here on News Talk. Uh, unlike most Rewind podcasts, we've had a couple of days to reflect as opposed to just one. I watched the game back and I noticed a couple of things. One was that Waterford had an awful lot of wides and because Clare had more we concentrated a bit more on that. Uh, two, Waterford kind of benefited from doing what they never do and even actually kind of got a lucky break. I mean, their goal came from a Deborka long ball, which was actually quite poor because it was into the clear defence. It wasn't dealt with, with David, by David Fitzgerald and it spilled into the path of Maurice Shanahan and he put it away. And three, a lot of Clare's best players and go-to men just did not perform. Tony Kelly had a, a number of wides. Podge taken off. Colin Gallivan taken off. Conor McGrath missed a few frees, taken off. Uh, John Conlon started. You couldn't expect him to be 100% right. He had a little bit of an impact, but not a whole pile. I know there's a lot to take on board there, Michael, but um, it was kind of a microcosm or a perfect storm maybe for Waterford of things going right and for Clare things going wrong. Yeah, it was an amazing game. Given what we've seen, you know, four or five weeks ago, the, the drawn game, like uh, Waterford would have missed an awful lot of frees and... Shane Bennett and Patrick Curran had a bit of a, you know, an awful day on the freeze. And then, turns out this day, Conor McGrath was brilliant that day on freeze and brilliant in the replay. And then he had a, an absolute disaster the other day. And even, just, they missed, they, they hit they hit so many wides in comparison to what they had, uh, what they had played in the, in the replay game. So many mistakes. As you say, their big players just weren't in the game at all. Colin Galvin, Tony Kelly, obviously John Conlon only back from injury. They weren't in the game at all. Whereas, you know, Brick, Kevin Moore, Austin Gleeson were all outstanding for Walford. It's it, it's funny. We talked about the shadow boxing in the replay game and in the drawing game. Waterford seemed to be the ones that had kind of new tactics or new approaches the other day. You know, for the opening few minutes, they played no sweeper. Austin Gleeson playing inside and in full forward, probably unexpected. Austin Gleeson going back into the defence in the second half, probably unexpected as well. You know, Parik Matney been sprung from the start. They seem to be the ones with all the new ideas. And, and Clare looks so flat on the day. It's actually hard to believe the performance, given what we've seen a month ago. But yeah, everything just seemed to go right for Waterford. Um, you can't put all that in the fact that it was a revenge or they felt hard done by or anything like that. But everything just seemed to click for them. And I think Clare will be really searching for answers. There's an awful lot more questions than answers out of that performance. It's amazing how in the GA calendar things can change so quickly in a month. You know, a month ago they were you know all Ireland contenders, and I'm not saying they're not still all Ireland contenders, but there's an awful lot of questions now going into the qualifiers, and 
people were wondering whether Watford would step up and be All Ireland contenders and you know, people I'm sure their odds have shortened significant significantly to collect Liam McCarthy now. They really looked the polished article the other day. Um it's yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. Derek McGrath and Davey are in completely different positions than they were in a month ago and I suppose that's what we love about it. It's just it throws up all these different things. Well let's actually hear from Derek McGrath of Waterford on what approach they took to the game and how everything went right for them and wrong for Clare. Was that down to Waterford? Was that down to Clare? Here's what Derek McGrath thinks. I think we made a decision once we got into the camp on Tuesday after the club games, which was, I suppose, three weeks ago, that we would just concentrate on ourselves as much as anything else because Clare really make you think. They're a team that... And if if I have a flaw, I have many flaws, but one of my most... Uh, notable flaws, I suppose, is probably to overanalyze and to kind of say to think too much, you know. And um, we, I mean, we decided as a management and players that we wouldn't think too much, that we just go with what we felt was right ourselves and get our main players playing well and go with the old-fashioned route of motivation. That you know, we need a big performance. And almost we were fueled by not anger, but we were fueled by just the disappointment and, and hurt of, of the league final, you know. So how much of what we saw today was kind of tactical and how much was lads just wanting it that bit more and they appreciate have come up with the ultimate GA cliche there but, but is it an accurate one? Yeah, I think you're very accurate. I think that there were stages even in the first half when I was sitting on the bench and it sounds extremely trivial or even uh, immature to say where I was saying, lads, what's happening out there? What's happening out there? You know, talk to me. I was saying to the selectors, what's happening out there? So that sounds that you're not in control of it as a manager but that's to me that's the reality of championship games that you trust your players to kind of figure it out as they go along and whilst we had discussed shapes and certain patterns and that kind of stuff it took a life of its own and we got a chance to maybe fix things at half time but um, it was invariably or it was ultimately about just players taking control of given situations and our big players producing big performance and um, I'd love to take credit for, for having some sort of mastermind plan behind it but that's 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 what happened you know So it seems uh, Michael that the camp and photo did them the world of good five days spent there and um, as Derek said they kind of threw off the shackles and went a bit old school yeah it's gas Waterford went to Fota and I think uh, I think Clare went to Carton House and there's no there's no difference between the two I'm sure they both had great camps it just there's no real explanation for why what no real explanation or difference between the Waterford and Clare approaches, but they got completely different performances. It's it, it's a strange one. Just to on Derek as well. I just I love his honesty about everything. I love how modest he is about his own uh, capabilities as a manager and how he's always learning and things like that. I think it's it's very refreshing to hear, particularly now where you know people are kind of guarded with the media. It's very refreshing to hear how honest he is. He literally lays it all on the line, which is brilliant. Uh, I, I don't think it's a funny one I don't think there was much difference or anything between mm. the two build-ups I know Clare played club championship as well which is just amazing how, how Waterford have reacted so differently I, I, I'm not sure what I can put that down to really but well, do you know what Derek mentioned something there that Paddy Mahoney was out on the pitch and he's a leader vocally plus the players know that he's going to nail all the freeze and that kind of fills them with a bit of confidence now Clare were very disciplined for most of the game, certainly the first 20 minutes, but when Waterford did get freeze, he nailed them and he also took a very good chance from play as well. So maybe that's a bit of a difference. Yeah, and I suppose it's the first time, just the first time he started a game for Waterford, a competitive game since the league final of 2015. And having him on the field, I'd be straight up and I would have said that I would have had question marks whether he would be able to get back into the pace. Just looking at him coming on in a couple of league games, he just looked a bit overawed by it all to me. It looked like I didn't think he was going to be able to settle back in that quick. But the Waterford players, knowing that if a free came, he was going to nail it. 
knowing that he was going to step up on the field and obviously provide this leadership, it obviously made a massive, massive difference. And then, like, on the other side, Clare just didn't seem to have these guys, you know, the Tony Kellys. Tony Kelly was back in his half-back line a lot of the time, and I know people will point that he was there in the replay game at different stages, which he was, but he was definitely playing in a more attacking role. He wasn't, I don't, I don't know if he was let express himself enough on the game, the likes of Colin Galvin as well. And that's just not too sure. Waterford seemed to have the leaders when it mattered. And having Morris, I, I, I question myself, I wonder was Morris actually fit to play the replay and was he was he kept in reserve somewhat because Clare just didn't seem to know how to deal with him. They didn't, Derek probably didn't give Clare a chance to know how to deal with him by playing him in, in either of the, the drawn or the replay games. And that was a you know, that was an X factor on Sunday. No more than Parik Matney as well. Yeah. There were two huge players, probably their two best forwards coming into the attack. And I suppose maybe we, we probably underestimated just how important those two players were for Waterford. Waterford managed to, you know, to draw at the first game and nearly win the replay with two of their best forwards absent. So those two guys come back into the field to show massive leadership. Like Morris got a goal out of nothing really. As he said earlier on, the ball in, it was a poor ball in, but he was in there and that's what he does. He capitalises on mistakes and he's just brilliant at playing this role where it's one forward and maybe three defenders and he's he just seems to be able to eke out scores at the important times. And it's huge for a team like that and it's huge for a team to have guys like that there. And he doesn't look like he's going to cause you trouble a lot of the time because he's he's very gangly but he somehow manages to get into the right positions and somehow manages to get on the ball and do damage. Um, we've heard from Derek McGrath, the Waterford manager, about things going right and how they achieved that. Let's hear from Dunlow Cusack, the Clare coach and selector, on why things went wrong and their journey through the back door now because they're out of Munster. There's plenty of food for us, there's plenty, uh, there's plenty of stuff for us to, to review in the tapes. We'll, we'll look at it honestly. We'll call it as it is, and they're a, you know they're a very honest group of players, and they they'll, they'll know themselves better than any uh, coach or any 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 selector or anything like that. They'll know themselves how they played, and um, and we'll look at it, and then and all we can do is you know we're down, but we're not out, and uh, we need to learn what we can and, and come back uh, ready for the next day. The bad thing is you're out of Munster. The good thing is you're still in the championship. There's still a back door to go through. There's still a qualifier route which has served Clare well in the past. Well, that's it. You've got no choice. No, I don't think anybody coming up here today wanted to be going down that route. Everybody would have liked to to win to the Munster final. The Munster final is a very, uh, you know, it's a cherished day and it's a cherished medal in uh, in, in in our sport and definitely from a, a hurling man's point of view. And I think that was definitely our today. So, you know, we'll just have to take take this on the chin and uh, and analyse it and and take it from there. Will it be harder to lift the lads this time around? And I appreciate you weren't around in 2013, but. They've obviously had a couple of tough years in the championship and when they went through the back door in 2013, they were a bit younger and more innocent, hadn't been hurt by the world, whereas now there's there's a bit more experience there. There's a few defeats after happening a few times where things just didn't happen for them. Yeah, well, that's the challenge, like, oh, Shane, it's like... Uh it's like life. You can't be too tough for it. And sport is, uh, you know, sport deals you out these hands. And you know, you, you, there's winning and there's losing. And the day you get knocked down, and the day you're beaten by the better team, you, you have to take it and take it on the chin. And I, 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 from what I've seen of these lads, I've no doubt that's the person I'm take. So he didn't say anything too specific there, Michael. But um, you could tell from Don Logue that he wasn't like he didn't really know any more than we did what went wrong for Clear at that stage. No. I'm sure they've watched it back yeah. since. Yeah, and and that's a worrying thing. Like I've been on the sideline with different teams and, you know, when they win and when things happen that you feel you've had an input in, it's very, very satisfying. But when when a performance like that comes and there's no real explanation for it, like everyone is saying they were flat and they were flat, but why were they flat? You know, they were mad up and mad keen 
for the drawn and replayed league finals, how how were they not how were they not absolutely bouncing on Sunday? And even I just thought it was interesting, even Davy on the sideline as well, and even Don Logan. Oh, Don Logan would be quite reserved. But but Davy didn't look like his usual self either. It was a strange, there was a serious lack of energy and enthusiasm about Clare. They're gonna to have to regroup now. I don't know does Davy have have they met in Davy's house and had orange and biscuits yet at this stage like they did in twenty thirteen. But they're gonna need something like that again. And they're gonna need a favourable draw as well. They could you know, there are a couple of difficult uh, ties possibly awaiting them. They're gonna to need to get all that momentum and build it up again. But it's it's very, very awkward. There's a lot more questions and answers and players will be doubting themselves given on the league run was brilliant this year, but given their championship performances since 2013, there will be doubts creeping in. Why did this performance happen? And the problem is, is that you can't actually, it's good when you can put your finger on something and say, yeah, that's what the problem was. But there were so many different problems. It's very hard to solve those quickly and they're going to have to solve them quickly. Just before I let you go, Kilkenny up against Dublin and Port Leash on Saturday night in the Leinster semi-final. And, um, it's an impossible one to call, isn't it? Because even though Dublin beat Wexford, we don't know how good Dublin are because Wexford were so poor. And Kilkenny, they are the All-Ireland champions, but they're missing Ger Aylward. He's injured. They've obviously lost Richie Power. He's retired through injury. They have other issues as well. We don't know exactly how fit or otherwise Michael Fenley is. So it's a hard one to call given all those factors. It's a very, very difficult one to call. I just wrote a short piece the other day. I think Brian Cody will have this sense of deja vu from 2013 you know they had a lot of injuries in 2013 you know Jackie Terrell was carrying an injury and other Shefflin was coming back from an injury and there's a lot of big players carrying knocks at the moment and even Joe Ling who was was fighting for a place in the full back line he did his cruise shit last week and he's out now as well and you know Richie is out well supposedly out and Mick Fenley is struggling for fitness Brian Cody will be worried and it takes a lot to ruffle his feathers but I think there will be worry he will be worried and they'll be very very worried about this tie Dublin Dublin did what they had to do against Wexford Wexford's challenge was fairly limp there's no point in saying any difference but Dublin were Dublin have a different kind of approach this year they've gone with particularly in the forward line a good bit of youth a lot more mobility in the forward line they'll be looking to take Kilkenny on every chance they get but I just think and there's no real basis for this, only history and what we've seen the last few years. I just think Kilkenny have been brewing again over the last, since the Clare game, you know, that's probably seven or eight weeks ago at this stage. I'm sure they're galvanised regardless of what injuries they have. I'm sure there's been a lot of talk. I'm sure there's been a lot of hard training. And I still think they'll come through. Uh, it's an, it, it is a tough one to call. We don't have much evidence in front of us to see what Kilkenny are going to bring but just based on what we've seen over the last couple of years, I just think Kilkenny will pull through there. And just before I let you go, Michael, your own county awfully winning at the weekend against Leash. Up against Galway now in the semi-final. Um, do you think it's a possibility they could give Galway a rattle? Uh, it, it's a tricky one. Just just looking at the game the other day, all people want in Offaly, people in Offaly realise, you know, we're quite a bit away from, you know, dining a Hurland's top table again. But all people wanted when Eamon Kelly came in was this honest endeavour and just from chatting people who were in Mullingar the first day, that was completely absent. You know, the honesty, the work rate, just looked, it wasn't there. What what I saw in Tullamore on Sunday was, you know, it was refreshing on the eyes. Hooks, blocks, turnovers, guys throwing themselves around. 
you know, James De- James Dempsey putting his body on the line to make, you know, outrageous saves from point blank range. That's what we want to see. And if we see that against Galway again the next day, um, we'd be very happy again. I just think I just think our defence facing up against the Galway attack w- would be worrying for me. Galway put up a huge score the other day against the West Mead defence who has been, you know, miserly enough throughout the year. Um I think we're gonna. Sh- I think we'll struggle with regards to you know holding Canning, holding Connor Whelan, Cottle Mannion, and these guys. But if we show the same honesty and endeavour, that that would I'd be happy enough. I I'd be just a bit worried again. Galway just seemed to like they want to make a statement. They made a statement the other day. They started the year off exactly as they wanted to, and I just think their attacking force will be a bit too much for us. But again, if we just see that honesty, that work rate, the endeavour from us, that that's all we're asking for at the moment. Michael Verney, thanks for joining us on The Rewind here on News Talk. Oshin, thanks a minute. Another massive weekend coming up and don't forget we've got uh, Ross Common against Sligo live in the Connacht semi-final on Off The Ball this Sunday. Also, we'll bring you the latest from Westmead against Offaly, uh, Mead against Louth, that one going on in Parnell Park and of course Fermanagh taking on Donegal on Saturday night, Kilkenny taking on Dublin. We'll have reaction to that on Sunday's Off The Ball. Remember, they get underway at 12 o'clock. Um, I was about to say football now, but um, before we talk Euro 2016 football and SSE or Tricity League football with uh, Paddy Mulligan. Uh, Paddy, you actually lived through Muhammad Ali's career uh, right from start to finish. And that must have been pretty amazing. Uh, What are your memories of Ali right from the start? Because a, a lot of the stuff we've heard over the last couple of days is from people who know the subject, but who didn't live through it. You did. So share some of your memories of Ali. Yeah, he was absolutely brilliant when he, when he, when he burst on the scene first of all I think it was in the 1960 Olympics in Rome uh, approx and, uh, when, when, he, when he won them and then he, he moved on from there now when he, when he fought Sonny Liston for the world heavyweight uh, uh, crown I think it was uh, around 64-65 I, I didn't think that, that he'd, he'd uh, take care of Sonny Liston and a pal of mine uh, the late Brian O'Brien uh, was convinced of, that uh, Cassius Clay as he was known then would go and beat Liston and I, I wasn't too convinced but he, he most certainly did, and and, and uh, beat him, beat him fairly convincingly. Also, eventually he went he went on he went on to wonderful things. What a I mean, who who'd ever forget the the fights, the the the, the thriller in Manila and, and the rumble in the jungle? I mean, uh, Frazier and Foreman, oh, just mag- magnificent stuff. But Ali was he, you know he was a magnificent boxer. No no two ways about it. And and uh, his his footwork, his his his, his quickness of of hand. It was just, you know, just wonderful, to be, wonderful to behold. And, and uh, when he said he felt like a butterfly and sing like a bee, he most certainly did. He did all of that. And he was what he was what boxing needed as well. And as for some of the interviews he gave, especially with with Michael Parkinson in in in, uh, in London, some of the interviews were absolutely hilarious and magnificent. And, and the same here with RT. I think when he fought your man. Al Blue Lewis, I think it was Al Blue Lewis here in '72. Um, with Carl O'Shannon, did a did, did a great interview with Carl O'Shannon from uh, from RCA as well. So uh, you know, I, I, I had great I had great memories of of, of Ali and of, and of heavyweight boxing in that in that particular era. And you can still check out those interviews, by the way, on the RTE player. As you say, an absolutely magnificent interview. What about Ali, the man, when he changed from clay to Ali, and you know there was a lot of talk about religion and things outside of the boxing ring going on around his career in the 60s and into the 70s what did you make of all that as someone who was just a fan of a sportsman and then all of a sudden a sportsman kind of turned into something more yeah and he, he, he was right to stand up for his beliefs like he wouldn't go to he w- wouldn't go to Vietnam 
uh, the fight, uh, the fight in, 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 in that particular war either. And, and he stood up for his, he, he had his principles and he, and he stood by them. So I, I admired him. I admired him for all of that. When, it, when in the sixties, it wasn't the, it wasn't really the thing to do to stand up against the, the hierarchy. But he went and took them on. And, 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 and thankfully, he came out. Okay, he, he he spent a bit of time away, but look, he he had his principles and that and that was it. And, and away he went, and he he was he, he stood by them. So I admired I admired him greatly for that. I admired him I admired him in, in the ring and outside of the ring, but but uh, especially in the ring. I mean, he was he was wonderful entertainment value uh, because uh, you know you often mimic mimic uh, other boxers and they can't talk and they yeah. mumble mumble here and, and that and and he was articulate and. Were you surprised none of that kind of ever got into football? That uh, we still see bland interviews to this day, and footballers afraid to talk themselves up and their team up. Are you surprised that, given what Ali did, that none of that kind of made its way into football? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit, it's a little bit uh, surprised that maybe maybe people are so guarded that they're afraid of their lives of, of 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 what they might say. But they shouldn't be. They shouldn't. They shouldn't be guarded. I mean, if you if you've got confidence in your own ability, there, there shouldn't be a problem in, in coming out and, and speaking your mind. And, and once you've got a fair idea of what you're what you're talking about as well, you know you've got you've got a great chance. So there's not and there's nothing wrong with being brutally honest either. And what is your standout memory of Ali? Probably, probably the, the 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 two fights that I, that I, that I mentioned there against Foreman and Fraser. I mean, what what, what scraps they were. They, they uh, it's, it's a wonder both of them, are, uh, you know, lived through uh, through through the fights. They, they just they absolutely pummeled each other. Uh, it, it was it was incredible stuff. The Silver Manila that was just incredible. I, I, it, it, it was the most amazing boxing match I've ever ever seen in my life. I'll never forget it. But I was I was looking at stuff over the weekend. Uh, I, I repeat on, on, on different channels <laughs> it, was just, it was just wonderful to go on and, and see all of that again Paddy let's talk about Euro 2016 it's all getting real, real now how are you feeling as an Irish sports as an Irish football man well a lot of trepidation now at the moment I, I, I uh, wasn't too impressed with the, the Belarus game last uh, last Tuesday night um, I know that they, they, uh, they, they were given a, a few players uh, um, a little bit of game time but certainly the players who, who were getting the game time and needed it very badly didn't uh, didn't stand up and uh, to be counted as far as I was concerned. I thought in the first half especially was a very, very poor performance and it reminded me of, of four years ago in, uh, in 2012 when uh, Ireland played Hungary in the Monday night in Budapest and, and that was a, a pretty sorry sight as well and, and I just hope that uh, we're not going down the same route as, as, as what happened in, in 2012. I would like to think that that, uh, that situation wouldn't, wouldn't uh, develop because in, in 2012, Ireland were in a very, very tough group. Uh, the Italians, the Spanish and the Croatians. I mean, that, that, was, that was really the, the group of death in every sense of the word. And uh, Ireland certainly did not cover themselves on Dory. I would like to think that their, their, uh, their preparation is, is, is going well and will continue to go well. But just a little bit, just a little bit of concern from last Tuesday night when you would expect, I mean, Northern Ireland beat Belarus the previous Friday 3 nothing. I would have expected an awful lot more from, from the players that, that, uh, that, that played um, last, last Tuesday night, yeah. and, and that didn't happen. But I'm just, I'm just on that point as well, I don't know why Roy, Roy Keane is, is apologising to the players for being critical of them, because um, I think he was, he was 100% right in what he was saying, because McGeady hasn't shown up in, in a long, long time for the Irish team. Uh, Darrell Murphy should have been playing an awful lot better. The likes of Gibson should be playing an awful lot better, and, and and they're not doing that. 
So I mean, lads, just take it on the chin and, and go on. If, if he was giving you, if he, if he was giving you a bouquet, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be moaning about it. So just take it. And and Roy King was, I, I think that Roy King was wrong to apologise as well. I mean, there's his principles going out the window. I, I believe that what Roy King said the other night, that he believes it to be the right thing to say, and now he's gone, he's gone back. And and um, if, if if I were in his situation and I was asked to apologise for something that I I, I believed in a hundred percent, and what I saw with my own two eyes. Well, then, well, I, I, I would resign. I assume players pick up on that as well, and they know that Roy is only apologising to try and maybe give confidence to those players or save a bit of face. And they're not dumb; they'll, they'll surely pick up on that, and the damage is done. But again, I, I don't understand why, why he, he, he should have apologised at all. I think that it's crazy. I mean, you just can't, you can't say a word to a player these days. But it's, 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 it's taken out of, out of context. I take it to heart. Nobody likes to be criticised. We've, we've all had it in, in our career. So, you know, deal with it and get on with it. And be strong enough to go on and say, right, that's what he thinks of me. Fair enough then. I'll show him in training. And then when I get a chance to show him when, when, I'm, in the, when I'm in the team, I'll show him that, that, that I'm not the player that he thinks that I am, that I'm, I'm much better than that. And that's, that's the way to go and disprove the whole thing. That's the only way that I know. Get yeah. out there on the pitch and produce. And then nobody can have a, have a word, uh, have a bad word to say about you. Don't give, don't give them the ammunition. If you have given them the ammunition, make sure you rectify it and, and, and readdress the balance very, very quickly because you, you, you'll get the opportunity to go and do so. And these, and these players are, are, are doing that. And haven't done it. Haven't, these players haven't done it for years. Paddy, a couple of injury worries, including Robbie Brady and John Walters. Um, how worrying yeah, are those? Spasm, apparently, you know, and, John Walters is still is still uh, out injured when they were expecting to be back. So I mean, they they are they are concerned. They, the game is next month. It gives them it gives them maybe four or five days and to to to, to get a fitness test done by by Sunday. I would have thought or, or else pretty early Monday morning. But I like I like to think that those lads would be going through the fitness test over the weekend and that they come through the whole weekend from Friday to to Monday uh, unscathed. And if, if that happens, we're going to at least he can he can probably pick from from a, from a full deck. And uh, you'd be you'd be looking at them having having some sort of a uh, of a chance against the uh, against the Swedes. But he's going to have to play. His, well, he's going to have to play his best team with whatever team that he thinks is is, is his best team. I'm sure I'm sure he knows it at this stage. And uh, and not to be afraid of the Swedes. That's that's the most important thing. To get out there with confidence and get out and enjoy yourself and express yourself. And that's what that, that's what that's all about. If you, if you if you go and do that and you play to the best of your ability. You've got to, you're you're in a great show. But if you don't do that, and if you're afraid of the situation, or afraid of the occasion, well then you're in trouble. James McCarthy, John Walters, and Robbie Brady all carrying injuries. How worrying is it? Regards Martin O'Neill picking his starting eleven and starting those three players because those are three players who may well be in it. Walters and McCarthy definitely will. You know, does does it? Is it a risk to do that? Does it does it kind of? Uh, spread a, 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 a bad feeling among the team if they think you know there's three guys in there who mightn't necessarily be 100% what effect does it have? Well the players the players uh, those three players in question they have got to be very very honest with Martin O'Neill and Martin O'Neill has got to be very honest with those players if they're not if they're not fit Nearly 100% fit. You, you never really play when you're 100% fit. It, it's very rare. If you're if you're 80% fit or 90% fit, you, you'll get through the game without any, without any problem, and 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 and, and, and you, you won't you won't cause your teammates any 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 trouble either. But if there if there's any doubt at all, don't play them because we saw what happened in the last Euros that, that uh, players played who were injured, and you just can't take you can't take chance like that. And if McCarthy and Walters, for instance, and Brady are not fit, 
don't pick them, save them for the next day. And hope that the three lads that, that, that come in go and, go and do the, the, the job on, on, on that particular night. And they, and they should be, anybody coming in like that should be able to prove to Martin O'Neill that, uh, look, at, maybe you should have picked me instead of at, at, at one of those three. But look, that, that, that's a great opportunity for somebody to come in if those three lads are injured. I hope, I hope that they are fit, but if they're not, so be it. Yeah, go and go and deal with it, and get and get your get, get your next three in. And just before I let you go, you watched Cork City beating Dundalk last oh, Friday night. Then, Cork yeah. City now just one point behind Dundalk. We're going into a break, and look, Cork City have beaten Dundalk three times now this season, twice in the league. One of the victories was up in Oriel Park, but it was kind of a get a goal and hang on in there sort of performance. But what will be particularly pleasing to Cork fans is that's not what this was. Cork actually played well and got the result they deserved even though Dundalk had a man sent off and came back at them towards the end of the match. Yes, and, 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 and Cork fully deserved to win. Uh, perhaps should have won, should have won by more. Now, now uh, was missing the penalty. And Dundalk, against the run of play, uh, really could have equalised in, in, in the last few minutes. But Cork, Cork were excellent. Uh, when they were losing games last season, the season before, by the odd goal to Dundalk, they're now winning by, by the odd goal. And that's, a, that's, that's always a great sign of the team. And, and John Caulfield really really has, has, has them flying at this moment in time. They're probably, they're probably unhappy that the break is coming now, a three-week break, because they're, they, they, they were, they're going so well. But look, I'm sure that John Caulfield will keep them ticking over over the next few weeks and they'll get back to, get back to bases, bases again and, and go on another really uh, good one. So it's going, it's, going to be, it's going to be a fabulous second half to the season uh, because Dundalk and, uh, Dundalk and Cork are going to be at it uh, tooth and nail right to the end, I would imagine. And not all good news for Cork. John Dunleavy is out for the season. But That's right, I saw that, yeah. yeah terrible. He's going to be out for about eight months or thereabouts. Yeah, and you feel bad for him because he always strikes me as being a good guy as well as, well as being a very yes, good indeed, player. But, yeah. but, but anybody who gets an injury like that, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a rocky horror show, really. Yeah. and we just wish him a speedy recovery and then when he does come back that you know that he, that he, he gets back to, to full fitness and full form straight, uh, straight away yeah. Sean Maguire we saw him clearing a ball off the line towards the end of the game now Sean Maguire we know the talent he has and it seems that that has now been matched by work rate at Cork City yes indeed and, and, and he, he played very very well on, 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 uh, on Friday night and uh, you know it's great to, it's great to see him uh, come along and do, and do so well because you know, for a time, for a while, you thought that maybe is he is he just going through the motions? There's an awful lot more there for him to give, and is he is he holding back? But no, last last Friday night he was acting. If he can keep up that form, well then we you know Cork, Cork going to be in a very very good place. Okay, Paddy Mulligan, as always, thanks for joining us on the rewind. Not at all, pleasure, Ocean. Thank you. The excitement is growing. Euro 2016 kicks off on Friday night, but for Ireland, it's underway next Monday against Sweden. Remember, off the ball, basically living in France for the month. Uh, we'll have an awful lot of Euro 2016 coverage on News Talk Breakfast and News Talk uh, Lunchtime. I'll be with you every morning just before half seven and half eight throughout the tournament on News Talk Breakfast. Remember, you can get me via Twitter at Oshin Langan and I'm back this Wednesday with a very special SSE Electricity League podcast. Richie is back as well. Uh, it's the midterm break. We'll assess how the teams have gone so far. Also, we'll talk about the trouble at Athlone. Let's hope they can survive it. As I say, at Oshin Langan on Twitter, you can catch me at any stage across the week on that. We'll be back with the Rewind next Monday. Until then, take care. Good luck. Rewind with Oshin Langan.